Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Friday and finally, finally I'm able to say we have a new manager in place. Ange Postacoglu was officially announced as Celtic manager yesterday as part of a, a really quite interesting uh, video uh, presentation uh, that was on Celtic TV and on the Celtic website. Um, but we'll get into that in due course. Uh, we also have Dan Orowitz from the uh, Japan Times joining us in about 15 minutes just to give us a bit of a lowdown on Angie's time in Japan and hopefully educate us a little bit on what we can hopefully expect from the new manager. But before we do that, Tony, how are you doing? I'm very well, Laura, yourself? I'm not too bad. I'm, uh, there's been a lot of back and forth on Twitter and all that kind of thing. Some folk down in the doldrums, some folk like me, far too excited with no real reason to be, but... You know, we'll get there. Jim, how are you doing? Good, Laura, thank you. 
Good, good. Um, and before we get into the new manager chat, which I'm sure will take up the majority of the rest of the show, um, you might have seen last night I shared our hashtag guess the Celt, which has become a bit of a feature on the Friday mornings. Uh, for anybody who guessed, there was a few different yeses there, so it was a bit more of a difficult one. Uh, but the answer, of course, was the unforgettable, um, forever young Johnny Doyle. Uh, Tony, I'll, I'll come to you first. As a younger fan myself, I've heard the stories about his personality, um, what he was like as a player on and off the pitch, but he's taken on a bit of a, an almost mystical sense because of the way that he, you know, unfortunately lost his life so young. Um, what are your memories of him, both as a player and as a person? My memories of him are this. Uh, Real Madrid, 1980. My father took me to that game and told me to watch... Laurie Cunningham, who was playing for Real Madrid at the time. And I remember Laurie Cunningham uh, playing in English football. That was when he was kind of getting to grips with football. And it was the quarterfinal of the European Cup, obviously, first leg. And it was the last time Celtic have reached that stage in either the guys of the European Cup and uh, uh, the Champions League. So for that, it sticks out for that alone. But and Johnny Doyle scored a, a wonderful header. And, you know, I was just... And after Monford's commentaries embedded in my mind because I went home and I watched it that night and and he just sneddin', floating it across, in comes Doyle with a header and he gets really excited. Oh, it's a goal, it's a goal. Johnny Doyle scores. Again, made by Sneddon. Oh, what a goal. Oh, what a beautiful goal, Johnny Doyle. And you just say to yourself, do you know what? That's the way Celtic supporters want to remember Johnny Doyle. I think there's a bit of Johnny Doyle in every Celtic fan because he brings out the dreamer and the romantic in every Celtic fan, because he was a fan that was plucked from the stands to play for the club, and he lived out his dream. And I think the Celtic supporters love guys like that. They love Johnny Doyle for that. Not the greatest or most gifted of players, but he knew what it meant to pull on that jersey, and he gave 100% every time. Jim will maybe tell you that as well, maybe seen more games than I did. But if you get it straight off the bat, that's why people, the Celtic supporters love Johnny Doyle and Tommy Burns, because of what it meant to play for Celtic Football Club. And people of an older generation will know that Johnny Doyle played in two of the greatest games at Parkhead, the old Parkhead with the jungle. Played in the 4-2, 10-men won the league game, although he got sent off, <laughs> given his all. But the, the players that day said he was just so pumped up and so super excited about trying to win the league against Rangers that he just got better of him and he booted Alan McDonald for no reason. <laughs> Celtic came back to win the game one of the best games ever at Celtic Park older people tell you Jim maybe tell you and I cried because my father wouldn't take me and I grabbed his leg and I held on to it and I asked him to take me and he wouldn't take me and he left me in my grands in Castlemilk and I was raging but and then obviously the Real Madrid game and I quote this a lot I say it all the time but I just think that it's no better tribute to any Celtic player that's passed away they never die who live in the hearts they leave behind his death was so tragic, so poignant and so sad. And I think as a player, as he wasn't the greatest, but he gave his all. And as a person, I believe he was a force of nature because he was in that dressing room and he just loved the fact that he was there. And players tell what's a wonderful <clears> story. I think he used to up Jock Steen because he would give his team talks and say, ask any questions and Johnny Doyle would say something really stupid. You know, so... Uh, and he was just full of boy daftness and just just loved the fact that he, he lived his dream and I think we all can 
resonate with Johnny Dyer because it's something we all want to do or we would have wanted to do growing up, play for Celtic. Yeah, I think that that nails it from from what I've heard of him. Jim, I'll come to you. Obviously, as Tony says, you might have have more memories than Tony, and certainly more than me of, of Johnny Doyle. But the epitome of a, a a cult hero, if ever there was one, surely. I think it's always hard to follow Tony Haggerty, storyteller, and he covers a lot of things that I would have said. I think if you say the words Johnny Doyle for the people who saw him play, there's always people who just smile at the memory of Johnny Doyle. And if ever there was the phrase, one of our own, that would apply to Johnny Doyle. And as Tony said, maybe one of the games he's best remembered for was the fact he got sent off, but things worked out that night. So maybe it might have been different if we didn't win that particular night. But I was a... The team that Johnny played in the late 70s and the team into the early 80s was the first time I started to go to the game on a regular basis, home and away. So that was one of my one of my favourite teams and uh, mm. Johnny played in that team and I was lucky enough to see his finest hour and it wasn't the game Tony mentioned there it was a game a few weeks earlier then uh, it was actually his finest two hours uh, it was a replay in the cup at Love Street uh, mm. when I say lucky I was lucky because uh, thousands of fans get locked out from the game uh, and we actually tried to explain this to younger fans would you mean fans get locked out because back in the day t- uh, games weren't all ticket so just turned up you know, when this was a Wednesday night game, meant there was uh, thousands couldn't get in. Thousands were still going to come into the park 30 minutes after the game started. White hot atmosphere at Lovesty, almost 30,000 at the park. A couple of months ago, we talked about Hillsborough. Speak to any football fan who went to football before the 90s, and they'll tell you there were so many possible games that could have been Hillsborough. And that was one of them. That was one of the most sandwiched, like sardines couldn't move quite hot atmosphere lost a goal in the first 10 minutes Mike Adam gets sent off after 20 minutes rather controversially places going bonkers cans and bottles getting thrown into the park these were the days before when you could bring cans and bottles into the park John equalises just before half time second half we lose a second goal to a penalty kick 2-1 down Johnny drills into the box is taken down Bobby Leonard scores from the spot full time 90 minutes played the best part of 70 minutes with 10 men every, every man a hero First couple of minutes of extra time, Johnny picks the ball up halfway line, Maisie dribble into the box, uh, rounds the keeper, acute angle, high at the top of the net, 3 2, hold on to the end of the game. Unbelievable atmosphere at the game. You get certain games where you think, I was there, that was the game. I found over the years, because there's so much that you can watch on television, back in the day, you had to be there. You had to be at those kind of games. And that's one of the games I look back on. And a few weeks later, the game that Tony said, and uh, that was an all-ticket game. And I found myself in, uh, in the jungle, which I never really went to, so I was right in line with the goal that Johnny Doyle scored. And uh, with a header, and he, he rose to, to meet the ball. It's such an un- unusual goal for Johnny Doyle to score. Uh, and we should have won that game and more. That was a kind of optimist. And uh, it was actually my 21st birthday. A few weeks ago, one of my mates got me a, a T-shirt that said, Johnny Doyle's biggest fan. <laughs> you know, on the back he said Mrs Doyle yeah. uh, but he'll be remembered fondly by Celtic fans uh, as you said Laura at the start because he was taken far too young mm. uh, and he gave Celtic fans a lot of very very good memories uh, the one Tony said there but the one I remember was he was he was just outstanding at Love Street playing with 10 men and uh, we eventually won the cup that year but we had to get through that game first and those were the days I mean I, I know I'm a older than everyone else but you look back on that kind of era and those kind of games and that kind of atmosphere under the lights 
not all ticket people turning up, just bedlam at times, uh, phone, phone memories, and Johnny Doyle's a part of that. So, yeah, he was taking far, far too soon. Mm. I, I think you did yourself a disservice, Jim, starting off that. I think that was some fantastic storytelling and some great memories of, of Johnny Doyle. Um, uh, Tony, do you think we'll ever see the likes of that kind of player again? That kind of, you know bleeding green and white you know the closest thing we've had to that in recent years is Kieran Tierney but obviously you know the way modern football is it was inevitable he was never going to last in the in the Celtic shirt do you think it's something that we can see we've got well of course we've got uh, James Forrest and Callum McGregor who at this point don't look like they're going anywhere so they're they're pretty pretty high up there as well is it something you think we can maintain going forward I think players like that are are very rare, and as you say, football and economics dictates that if you get a player that's so dyed in the wool, and they're such a great player like Kieran, they're going to have to leave the club. Yeah, you know, the club never leaves them. You know, Kieran Tierney often speaks about the fact that he wants to finish his career at Celtic. Mm. You know, as Jim alluded to there, it was a different day back then. You know, different times and. You kind of get the sepia tinted glasses on with these kind of players, you know what I mean? And very rarely now players have testimonials because players don't serve 10 years at football clubs mm. anymore, you know, because if they're any good, they move. That's just a fact of life. And especially now uh, with with the money being so great as it is that they can earn elsewhere, you're lucky to get four or five years out of a Celtic player, you know, and it's a shame. But, uh, you know, that's why I think these players are, so well remembered, you know, the likes of Johnny Doyle, Burns, McStay as well, your hero Paul McStay, mm. you know, one club man, you know, that people just admire that. Because these, these guys, I mean, Paul McStay in particular, the chance to go elsewhere, they didn't, you know, so I think that I think that there's, there's attributes there to be admired, but I think it's very hard in the modern day game if you've got a player that comes through the ranks at Celtic and does as well as Kieran Tierney has. They'll stay at the club for time on perpetual motion. It's a shame, but it was ever thus. I think football and finances have dictated that that's that's the very rarely do you get one club men now. You know that's and that's the way it is. Yeah, I think it's an unfortunate side effect of the way the game's going, but uh, we, we live in hope that these things will prevail throughout time. Um, just apologies to anybody watching. I, I seem to have a problem with my internet today, so if I drop out, guys, you'll have to you'll have to carry the can as far as that's concerned. But uh, we'll carry on regardless. Well, don't um, say that. <laughs> Uh, before we get Dan on, we should hopefully have him on in about um, about five minutes or so. Um, once he's once he's with us in the call, um, Jim, I'll come to you first. Uh, the announcement of Vance Postecoglou obviously came uh, yesterday morning. Um, I unfortunately didn't have a signal on my phone and was in work at the time, and so came out to a barrage of messages and all sorts uh, that announced it to me before I saw the, the video itself. But did you see the the announcement, the video, all that kind of thing? What what did you make of both both what he was saying about you know what he wanted to bring to the club, and obviously what Dom Mackay was saying in follow up to that? I think from Ange's point of view, I think the kind of key thing he said was, uh, "People have got to believe in me," uh, and I think where Ronnie Dyla fell down a wee bit, I don't think the players believed in him, mm. um, and I think if everyone gets on the Ange bus then I think we've got a chance. Uh, he came across really well. He's a clever man, he's an experienced man. 
somebody made the point was it was it Paul was making the point about a manager coming from that league and going to Belgium was it Kevin Muscat didn't last particularly yeah. long so I think there's different standards and there's always a risk when you when you, when you hire a manager even if you have what you think is a very good manager if I get back to 2000 was it 2005 2006 Rangers brought in Paul Le Guin he was the hottest ticket in Europe lasted six months so there's no, there's no guarantees with us. I mean, I think what we said last year was it's a bit of a pantomime in terms of where we got to, but I think we have to leave that stuff behind. I think you have to chunk a lot of this stuff up. You know, we can talk about the board and how shambolic they've been, but in terms of going forward, he's the manager. We get behind him and we try to see as many good things about him as possible. He came across really well. He's happy to uproot his family, travel 6,000 miles, 12-month rolling contract. You know, that's a big risk that he's taking. Uh, mm. He says all the right things. He comes across really well. You hear lots of good things about him. I just hope he's off to a good start. I think it's going to be one of these things that's going to be spectacularly good or spectacularly bad. I don't see any kind of middle ground in here. Mm. And I think we're going to have to, it's going to be a hard start to the league because I think we're going to end up at, up at Aberdeen or at Hearts in the first game of the season. So a baptism of fire straight away. And I think as long as we get maximum points for the first few games, we've got a chance. But if we start dropping points early, Loads of pressure on him. But say uh, mm. he comes across a good guy, so we wish him well. hundred percent we do. And we'll come back to Don McKay actually, maybe after after Dan's been on to talk to us about uh, about Ange, but we'll stick with Ange for the moment. Um Tony, um obviously people have reservations about it. You've you've spoke about them yourself. Um Russell Boyce has Quite succinctly put together some some concerning stats uh, on behalf of the the new manager. Um, there are obviously going to be concerns about somebody coming in who's got no experience of managing in Europe, bar a, a short stint in Greece twenty years ago. Um, but surely, you know, like Jim says, you know, we have to we have to back him. He's here now. None of the mess that he's inherited is of his own making. We've got to we've got to just go with it, haven't we? I made the point that I had no downer on Ange Postacoglu. It was mm. the processes that had led us to selecting him as the managerial choice. Mm. Now that he's here, and I said before, when he comes in, if it was him, then you have to get behind him. That's what you do as a supporter. Mm. I don't wish him ill. I wish him to succeed. He's a manager of the club I support. So first and foremost. And then I was looking back at uh, what people said when they assumed the Celtic position. And I thought he got off to a really good start in terms of what he said, right? Mm. It's got nothing to do with his managerial ability or what he'll bring to the table, but just off the bat saying the right things. And I looked and Martin O'Neill said this in July 2000, it's an absolute honour for me to be the manager here, an absolute honour. I will do everything I possibly can to bring some success to this football club. That was on the stairs and then you heard the guy saying, that's all we want, Martin. Remember that? Yeah. And then Brendan Rodgers said, I will give everything I have and I'll do all I can to bring our supporters exciting, entertaining and winning football. To be given this fantastic opportunity to be part of a, such a truly great football club is a dream come true. This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, direct-to-consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. It's the Marketer's Report. 
This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. And for Chicago, I'll be doing everything I can to get our great club back on top. We yeah. want to entertain our fans and we want to win. These are the objectives we always set myself, which I now begin work on. This opportunity has been given to me as one of the greatest honours in football. I like that. I like that he knows and he's aware of the honour that he's accepted. And as Jim said, he's not doing this lightly. He's flying 6,000 miles across the world for a 12-month rolling contract. And I'm like, Jim, this can go spectacularly well or it can go spectacularly wrong. But I will support them. I'm sceptical, but I'll support them. But now the board has to back their man. This is the man that they've chosen, so they have to give him all the tools to succeed in the job. And fans have said to me, Tony, come up with a rip-roaring, free-scoring, never-boring for Ange Postacoglu. And I couldn't really, but the best I came up with was the Postacoglu Socceroo Didgeridoo Army. There you go. Give me a P. Until you finish that, the game will be finished. Right. So I want a banner, the Poster Coglu Socceroo Didgeridoo Army. Yeah, well, on that note, before we spell out the rest of that and, and, and use up the entire hour's worth of the podcast, I'm glad to say that we have in waiting Dan Orlovitz from the Japan Times. Uh, so Dan should be joining us any second now. There we are, Dan. Hello, welcome to the show. Hi guys, thanks for having me. Welcome, congratulations. Uh, this this is a huge uh, announcement for you, big announcement for us. Uh, incredible for Australian football. Everyone wins. I Everyone hope. wins. <laughs> Everyone hopefully. wins. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully Celtic will be winning as well off the back of this. But uh, you obviously um, are based over in Japan, working uh, covering the J League. Something that you know. Myself and a lot of other contributors to the show, I confess, we don't know an awful lot about. So when, so when Ange was was uh, was appointed, you know, we had a lot of concerns, a lot of you know curiosity about what he might bring to the team. Um, I read your piece in the Japan Times on on his in his time with Yokama Marinos, and and I thought it was really really encouraging. But I'd, I'd really love to hear your thoughts, and I'm sure the listeners would on what what he can bring in terms of a football and philosophy philosophy to the club. He is uh, probably the most, I wouldn't say, in a way, the most philosophical manager uh, we've had come to Japan just because he believes in what he does so so utterly and completely and so thoroughly. Uh, as I wrote in my piece, uh, there is plan A, which is this really uh, just attractive, aggressive style of attacking football. And there is plan B, which is make plan A better. 
make plan A work. Uh, he is not a man. He, he is not going to drop uh, to a more defensive strategy uh, because his attack isn't working. He's going to fix his attack. And whether that means uh, getting the players on board with the tactics or if they're not on board, getting new players, uh, that's what he's going to do. Uh, he is this tenacious bulldog of a man who just wants his team to score goals and do it in the most attractive and entertaining way possible. So, you know, the, the perfect manager, I would hope, uh, for, mm. for a neutral, for a home fan, uh, even opponents. Uh, he has gotten a lot of respect here uh, from the teams, from his players and even from the teams he's faced because game recognize game. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that definitely came across in the piece that you wrote. Um, an interesting point of the piece that I saw was um, you mentioned that he, he likes everybody to call him boss. He likes everybody to address him in that manner. And he's very much a leader. Um, there's been some discussion here whether there will be a director of football appointed at the club. Uh, and, and as yet, we don't know if that's a that's a situation that uh, will come to fruition. What's the structure like that he's been working in at the football club? You know, is he very much the top? man uh, where he goes or, or do you think he could work under conditions where he was you know maybe answering to somebody like a director of football uh, in the past uh, even when he's working under a director of football or a sporting director uh, he's still very much involved in the scouting process in the recruitment process uh, this was true uh, in the a-league this has been true uh, at yokohama uh, obviously uh, here, he's had uh, the resources of City Football Group, which owns nearly 20% of Yokohama F. Marinos. And so uh, they've been able to tap into resources that a lot of J-League clubs don't have, uh, all with the end goal of finding players who aren't just good on paper individually, uh, but players who fit his playing style and his playing philosophy. He's not looking uh, for a star to build his squad around. He's looking for pieces of the puzzle. Mm. And uh, he he's a smart man. Uh, he's not just an X's and O's type of coach. Uh, he he understands the players. Uh, he understands the needs of the of the squad. And uh, I think that he will work well with whoever is in charge above him and to contribute to that conversation. And he's not going to be a yes man who's accepting uh, recruitments uh, that, that have been decided before his time. Uh, I'm sure that he has had his input. Uh, I'm sure he will, he will have even more input now that uh, his appointment is official. Uh, and he's going to build his squad because it, it isn't it isn't Celtic's squad anymore. It's Ange Postacoglu's squad. Uh, mm. They're his boys, and that's what he's going to send out onto the pitch. That all sounds really encouraging. And, and before I get Tony and Jim involved and, and hear their thoughts on, on what you've said about him, the last thing I was going to ask you um, just for now is there's the, the other concern we have as, as Celtic supporters, and it might sound a bit rich considering I don't know how much you know about Scottish football, but you know the standard of it is of a certain standard, but obviously Celtic are hoping to achieve more in Europe and against higher calibre opposition. Um, what What is the standard of football like in Japan compared to you know, say some of the the more um, mid tier or high, higher tier uh, European leagues. Is it does he face a high caliber of opposition week in week out that he that he has to test himself against? The J League is arguably, and I think fairly so, uh, a top ten league 
in the world in terms of competitiveness, in terms of, of the quality of play. Uh, we are certainly not at the level of the Premier League. We are not at the level of La Liga. We are not at the level of Serie A. Uh, but if you're looking at sort of the bottom of the European top 10, your Belgians, your Portugals, your Hollands, uh, that's where we slot in. Uh, it's a very competitive league where every season uh, seven or eight teams go in thinking they have a legitimate chance of winning the title. Uh, week in, week out, it is a very competitive uh, league up and down the table. Uh, it's a very competitive uh, footballing pyramid overall. Uh, we saw on Wednesday uh, Yokohama lost to Honda FC, who are uh, the most storied amateur side in the country. To call them amateur is sort of a misnomer. They're really just a professional team that Honda doesn't want to make professional. Uh, because they would rather be in, invested in motorsports. Uh, but you know, we have lots of teams like that in Japan. Uh, and the the magic of the J-League is that on any given week, a, a minnow can beat uh, Yokohama or Kawasaki or Nagoya. Uh, it, it, it's very hard to predict. And that's what we love about it, is that it is so unpredictable. So uh, he hasn't been in a two-horse race. He's been in eight-horse marathons. And so it, it is definitely going to be a different uh, situation for him to come into uh, in Scotland, at, in Glasgow, where there's two teams, and those are the only two teams that matter. Uh, and that's uh, something I'm sure he's prepared for. Uh, he's a smart man, and he wouldn't have taken this job if he didn't know what he was getting into. That certainly comes across from what we've seen of his initial interviews with the club. He certainly seems like a man who's well-educated and experienced in football. Jim, I'll come to you for your thoughts on, on, on some of what Dan said yeah. there. Are you encouraged by what you've heard? Um, do you think that, based on what Dan's saying there, that you know we've got a lot more to be excited about? I think he would be excited about a free-flowing Tony Haggerty type phrase for mm -hmm. the team. I think my big concern, if I've got big concerns, is you win leagues by not losing goals at the back. Mm -hmm. uh, so my question to Dan is, how is uh, Ange defensively? Because uh, last season, we were atrocious. We couldn't defend set pieces. We lost a lot of silly goals. We scored lots of goals, as we normally do, but we couldn't defend to save ourselves. If we don't get the defence right next year, we won't win the league next year. So defence is just as important as going forward next year. Mm. I am, am not here to defend And Pastacoglu on his defending. <laughs> uh, even And Pastacoglu, most of the time, will not defend And Pastacoglu's defending. Uh, he is uh, far more concerned with uh, his build-up and his uh, his attack and, and his finishing uh, than he tends to be about his back line. And that's not to say that he doesn't care about defending, but uh, attacking is just at the core and at the fringes of his philosophy. Now, if you look at the results that Marinos achieved in 2018, uh, there was a lot of inconsistency. They did give up uh, a lot of goals that season, uh, scored 56, which was sec tied for second best in the league, gave up 56. Uh, there were teams that gave up a lot more than 56, uh, but that, that is still a, a lot to surrender in a season. And uh, every, you know, every goal you give up, every, every point does matter. And I, I recognize that. Uh, he, Ange is not a manager who comes in on day one 
and flips a switch and everything is better. That, that That's not who he is. Uh, if the Celtic board were not aware of that when he came on, uh, that, that, that is quite frankly their problem. Uh, Ange is a rebuilder. You've heard of, mm-hmm. if you have kids, you've heard of Bob the Builder. We've got Ange the Rebuilder. Uh, he came to a Manino side that very much lost its way of things, that, that was sort of spinning its wheels under Eric Mombertz. And he instilled his philosophy and built the club around him in such a way that now, you know, you, you, I think the measure of how good he was for, for Marinos is that we have no idea how they're going to do now that he's gone, uh, because there is nobody in Japan who can replace Ange Postacoglu. So uh, there's a long-winded way of saying don't worry about the defense. It will work <laughs> itself out because it did. And we, we did see it improve in 2019. Uh, we, we saw that under Park Ilgu, who was fantastic. Uh, we, we, you know, and I posted uh, a graphic on Twitter earlier today. Since the J League started tracking uh, travel distance for individual players in 2015, top 30 goalkeepers are all... Marinos goalkeepers or Park at Sagantosu just after he left Marinos. Those goalkeepers know how to run. Uh, and when they've given up, let, let's call them what they are, dumb goals, Ange knows you know, he, he isn't going to throw them under the bus. He knows it's, it's not their fault for playing how he wants them to play. Uh, he he gets very disappointed with his players when they don't play how he wants to play. But when they're doing as they're supposed to do, he backs his boys. And I, I find that a very admirable quality in a manager. You know, he he he, he calls himself the boss. Uh, I think, quite frankly, boss is easier for for Japanese players to pronounce than pasta kaglu. Uh, <laughs> I, I think that 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 is a little bit to do with it, and that did, that does make it easier. Uh, but the culture around the club has been that the buck stops with him. Uh, mm. In the end, he is the one who is responsible for the team's results. And it is the player's fault if they are not playing as they are supposed to, but if they do it right and they still don't get the result at the end, then it's on him. Wow. Well, Tony, um, encouraging to hear that, that uh, we we're potentially got a manager who's going to take responsibility for the decisions that he makes. Uh, something that we've, has been found wanting in some of the, the recent previous appointments. What do you make of, of some of Dan's assessments of, of, of Postacoglu and does it does it stand you in any better stead about, about him coming in? I'm happy about what Jim said, that you could w- be watching the rip-roaring free scoring, never boring. But what concerns me greatly is that Dan's just said, don't worry about the defence, it'll sort itself out. <laughs> Dan said that as every Celtic supporter mm. like hell right I mean because we're going to end mm. up watching a lot of 4-3s and 4-2s or whatever high scoring games as Jim alluded to there our defence last season was our Achilles heel this is something that we need to address and if, if Postacoglu teams are attack minded but defensively fragile Dan that worries me greatly <laughs> I promise you all, I've said this numerous times during my recent uh, tour of of Celtic media, Uh, I will continue to say it, nobody has had more fun in the last three and a half years in the (laughs) J-League 
than Yokohama F. Marino's fans. Now, I know that you're not just looking for fun. I know that you want results. You want wins. Just you want fun for one done. One, one. <laughs> no, winning, winning can winning That's is right. fun, but it's. Yeah. It, I think that this is a great chance for Celtic fans to discover different joys. And I think that there is joy in the process. And I think that there will be, especially be joy uh, when you get the results. And I, I think that all of us uh, who cover the J League uh, have been asked the question, which is what does Ange need to succeed? And all of us have given the same answer, which is that he needs patience and understanding. And all of us have been told the same thing, which is that no fucking way is he going to get that in Ce- at Celtic. Sorry, was I? Uh, sorry, is that? Did I? Are we a clean <laughs> podcast? Are we? Are we? Are, are we blue? Or? We we try to be. We try I'm to sorry, be. I, no, no, I, should, I, I apologize. I should. I, I checked a couple whether a couple things were 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 okay to say or not. I, I should have. Uh, I, I should have checked the profanity level. But the the point is that he the reason that he succeeded was because. The players backed him. He never lost the locker room. He never lost the boardroom. He never lost the stands. I think that the the most important thing is that if the players understand what he's trying to accomplish, then you're on the right path. Hmm. Because as we've seen so often in Japan, when players doubt a foreign manager, and foreign managers do have a much more difficult than Japanese managers do here. You do start to see it just in when a result doesn't go their way uh, in how players react after the match. And you get the sense that they aren't quite committed, uh, that there are challenges that foreign managers here face in terms of communication, not just language, but communication style. So when a foreign manager comes here and he wins over the locker room as Ange did, we all stand up and take notice hmm. uh, because that is a very hard thing to do. And it, it is incredibly difficult to do it as convincingly as he did. And uh, you know, to achieve what he did in just two seasons, going from a club that had no idea what it was doing with itself to being J league champions. Hmm. So I, I understand that the patience is in short supply out there. I understand it, but you have to, your hearts have to be wide enough to trust the process. Yeah. And you will be rewarded. Well, I, I think uh, Celtic fans are, are known, hopefully, for, for having big hearts and, and, and open minds and open arms. So we will welcome them. Um, we'll welcome Ange and anybody who chooses to bring into the club and hopefully get behind this philosophy. But um, plenty for us to chew on anyway. Dan, thank you so much for taking time out your day to join us. Um, it's really been insightful for us, uh, certainly as 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 a group of supporters who didn't know who Ange Postagoglu was a month ago. We certainly stand ourselves in better stead having people like you on the show to 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 give us some some insight into that. I appreciate the opportunity to come on, uh, you know, and preach our gospel. I will say that uh, your, your your show has had uh, some of the most reasonable takes we've heard on Ange these last couple of weeks. Uh, I've uh, very much enjoyed listening to you and other Celtic media and the learning about 
you know, the, this, the, the, not just the state of things at the club, but, uh, you know, the, the, the culture and what Ange will be expecting. And uh, I'll tell you, uh, it, a lot of fans here, everyone wants him to succeed. I think more than anything, it, it is really, we are losing a giant and our loss is your gain. And uh, I think that if Celtic fans welcome him, if you back him, then you will have 30,000 more fans in Yokohama. You know, Green Brigade, if you're listening, you know, a thank you Yokohama banner at the home opener, you know, go a long way. Um, obviously, this is a club with a, a long relationship with Japan through Shinsuke Nakamura, uh, who, who's obviously a legend and I think still loved out there. And uh, hopefully this will be a great chance to rekindle that relationship. Uh, we'd love to see Ange back out here for friendly in a year or two. Mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully, you know, with a couple more trophies under his belt. Well, we certainly hope that's how things go as well. And um, one thing I'll say to you before you go is trying to dictate what Green Brigade put on their banners is is something only a brave man does. But you know, you know, we'll see how that goes. Thanks very much for your time, Dan, and uh, hopefully we'll catch you again soon on the podcast in the future. Absolutely, looking forward to it. Cheers, Thank man. you very much. Well. <laughs> <laughs> lot, lots to lots to chew on there. Um, not all encouraging, I would say. Not all encouraging. Uh, Tony, I'll come back to you to get you to expand a little bit more on your concerns there. You're all for the rip roaring, free scoring Glasgow Celtic, but that doesn't mean, uh, you know, having the gates open at the back, does it? Oh, what? Never mind winning. It will be fun. <laughs> <laughs> We don't do fun. We don't do fun. It's supposed to be a fun season last season. Look what happened. I'd rather just do the winning. Mm. You know, uh, mm. that concerns you greatly. Because, I mean, you just said, don't worry about the thing. Also, what if it doesn't sort itself out? It mm. hasn't sorted itself out for a year. You know, we need, we need this to be addressed from the moment your new manager comes in, which is now. He has to address that. Can't go gung ho. You know, and just just hope that you score four, and if the other team get three, then so be it. You outscore them. I mean, that that those words concern me greatly. Yeah. I, I will not judge him until I see the way his team lines up and the way we move forward. But no, things like that don't fill you with real hope, do they? And I'm not going to have a downer on him. It's just if that's a guy, that's a guy telling you, oh, it'll be, it'll be fun. <laughs> You know, no, um, Jim, Jim, I have to say, I I have been tooting the Ange horn. I have been driving the Postacoglu ute, as I said um, on Twitter last night. I've been all for his new ideas, his attack in football. But I have come away from that thinking, what are we letting ourselves in for? What, what do you make of it? I don't think you want to be too down on the guy straight away. Mm. I think that was an mm. obvious question to ask since yeah, the guy's been yeah. watching them. And that's all you do here, the rip-rowing stuff. But but any good football team built on a solid back four and a good goalkeeper. And we have to get that right. We have to get that right. So it's interesting to see who he has as his coaches next year. And obviously we've been all the talk about uh, John Kennedy and Gavin Strachan staying on. We were a bit concerned about that. But he has to have somebody who knows how to defend first and foremost. Because if we can't defend, we're not going to win the league next year. No chance. Mm. Absolutely no chance. And and I was very concerned when I heard that, that we're going to have fun. We don't do fun. Basically, fun about <laughs> years ago. Uh, 
<laughs> you years you please. I I was on a podcast with Paul about a year and a half ago, and I talked about. I mean, I, I, I'm obsessed with football. We're all obsessed with. I mean, why would we be talking about football half twelve on a Friday if we were only obsessed with football? So we're all obsessed with football. But I'm I'm not in in love as much as I used to be with football because it's about winning. It's all about winning. That's all it is. And what I said in the podcast to Paul is, is that when I go to a game now, unless we're three goals up, I endured the game. It's an enduring. If it's no no with twenty minutes to go, you're going up the wall. Basically, we need to score, we need to win the game. So it's all about winning. It's not about entertainment. If we go three goals up, we're in the entertainment zone at that point. But if we go two goals up, we're still in that endurance zone because if they score, we don't know what's going to happen next. So mm. the fun has went out of football, unless you're three goals up and you're going for four, five and six. So we need to get the back line right from day one. And if we don't get that right, I'm a bit concerned. But I don't want to be too down on Ange, mm. we want to get behind the guy and, and be positive, etc., etc. But what what Dan said there didn't form a lot of confidence. <laughs> if he does say something like he sets his teams up really well, two big centre halves, don't mess about, wingers bombing forward, getting back, good solid goal. He says something about the goalkeeper runs about a lot. I was a bit confused about about that. If, if the you goalkeeper read, runs Jim, about the most, Jim, if you read the piece, or I would encourage anybody to go and read the piece he wrote in the Japan Times. He mentioned specifically. I don't normally read the Japan Times, so mm, yeah. <laughs> he, he mentioned oh. specifically that he gets the goalkeeper to play very profession, uh, very possession-based football, and it has led on occasion to them conceding some questionable long-range goals. Now, where the Here goalkeeper is, <laughs> where the goalkeeper is to cause that to happen, I'm not sure. But like we say, he he obviously wants players to play in a certain way, and he's not willing to throw them under the bus if he's going to encourage them to play that way, which I think is encouraging. Tony, to be a bit more positive good, yeah. about Tony, to be a bit more positive about it though than than we have been <laughs> since Stan went off the call. Um, okay, it doesn't stand as in good stead for, for Europe and for, for progressing in that sense if we're going up against, you know, the high-calibre opposition. But what it does encourage me about is, you know, we should be able to score loads of goals in an attacking sense against the domestic opposition without worrying too much about the back, surely? I mean, that's probably the only positive that you can take about that, that he, he loves. He's going to play football, certainly attack-minded in the Celtic way. If, if you want, for want of a better expression. So I think the fans will warm to that. Mm. But the nuts and bolts of football is you have to defend as well. Something's an art, so it's going forward, you know. So you have to master the arts, you know. But I, I think, as you say, that's, that's the encouraging side of it. But we, we won't know. Like the, the phony war of words is over. You just It doesn't matter what anybody says now because it's all conjecture. Guys can tell you what they've seen in Japan, Seen in Australia, great. It's totally different. Hmm. He is now in the biggest job of his life. You know what I mean? That's the bottom line. You will never have a job like this ever and again in his career. So he has to make the most of it. Stamp his authority on it by all means. But you can't be reckless. You can't Hmm. can't be reckless and ship goals the way they did in Japan or, or Australian football. You know, just, you know... Celtic demand that they play a, a certain way, but they also demand that you defend. You know what I mean? It's like, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm trying to be as positive as I can. If that's the way they play domestically, so be it. They will get away with it. But in Europe, you know, that, that gives you a great bit. 
I'm not going to blame them if they get puffed out of Europe early doors because the time scale and time frames to set up a team and get you competitive for that arena is, is non-existent now. Mm-hmm. You know, if he gets Celtic through the qualifiers, he's a miracle worker, an absolute miracle worker. Yep. You know what I mean? So yep. Uh, yep. I absolve him of blame for uh, the Champions League qualifiers. As Jim said, I just hope he gets off to a flyer domestically if he goes somewhere like Pretoria or Tynecastle and wins. But I think he's got an exemption for the Champions League qualifiers because to, to announce him in June and then say next month you're playing in the Champions League. I mean, it's and you don't know who's coming, who's going, what team you're going to be, you know, what team you're going to be playing for a start or what team you're going to set out. So I think he's got. I wouldn't say a free pass, but Anything he achieves in the qualifiers, you'll say, "Wow, well done," you know. And I think that's the positives that you've got to take from it. You know, I I don't want to have a downer on him, but if you're going to experts who tell you how his teams play and he's dismissing that ah, defence, don't worry about that. You know, Lambert's <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, it did make me giggle. I'll, I'll give you that. But as you say biggest job of his life and if there's any confirmation of that required we've seen the reaction from Football Australia from the J-League from from a lot of big institutions all over the world saying this is a massive opportunity for Australians in football and it's a massive opportunity for him I think he recognises it and I think he's going to put the work in uh, Jim, another man for whom hey, also it might Tony. Be the... yeah, sorry, on you go Jim on you go no, no, no it's okay on on you go. Uh, yeah, no, I was going to say to you, another man for whom this is the biggest job he's probably ever had is Dom Mackay. Uh, we saw him have a little small interview on the end of uh, Ange's uh, introductory video uh, when he was appointed. And he had he had a lot to say about a new vision for the club and modernisation and, um, you know, a lot of encouraging words, but but buzz phrases to an extent. Could you take anything concrete from what he said? Do you think, were you encouraged by it or do you think it's kind of, uh, we'll just have to wait and see? Before I answer that question, what I was going to say was that the phrase Tony used there was ship goals in Japan. That sounds like a song. (laughs) 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 Ship goals in Japan. That's the future. Get it written, I thought it was great. I thought Don McKay. I thought Don McKay was great. Uh, I said before he has to watch what he says when he speaks in public mm. and didn't say very much wrong. And uh, if he had to learn any lessons from his appearance at the fans forum, he certainly learned the lessons. I thought it was great. I think he came across really, really well. Uh, one or two weeks in a buzz phrases, as you said there. The thing I liked when, when he said that he wanted a winner and he talked about winning in Japan and Australia. Uh, and I think that's a, a big thing as well because one of the things I was, was a bit concerned about, the guy who didn't take the job, was that he'd only really managed Bournemouth and had a bit mm. of success there. I think to be a good manager, you have to manage at least two clubs and have success in two clubs. And that's why when people ask me who I think is the best man of all team, Clough, because of what Clough did with two teams and mm. how, how far he took those two teams. So what Ange has done, he's been successful in Australia, successful in Japan, fine. Let's get him. I thought Don McKay was really good, came across great. One wee slip that he can amend, he talked about he'd been speaking to Ange for weeks. And you thought, yeah, well, no, you've been that, for yeah. weeks and you've only announced this last week. How does that tie in? So that was a bit, a bit, a bit, a bit, a bit so I thought it was good. Yeah, I thought it was good. And hopefully, he talks about trying to modernise the club. And it's one of these things, it's a bit of a catch-22 for me. Because if he modernises the club uh, significantly, that's a huge indictment in the people who are there just now. 
you know, you'd like to think we're going to modernise it, but if it's got a long way to go, as I said, that's just, you know, not very good news in the guys who are there just now. But hopefully it does on and off the park and it's like a brave new future for Dom McKay. Yeah, interesting to hear him, interesting Hello. to hear what he sounds like. Um, yeah, I, Tony, I, I thought he was encouraging. I thought he was well-spoken. Like Jim said, you know, there's a few things that we weren't happy with, the way he addressed strangers and the fans forum and some of the things that he said that he was obviously maybe trying a little bit too hard to ingratiate himself with certain parts of the support when he was doing that and uh, has obviously sort of change tack as far as that's concerned um, what were your thoughts on the on the on the video on the interview on what he said and, and what his vision is for the club going forward like, like Jim I was impressed and again if he does modernise the club drastically then it, you know shame on the others you know I, I exempt Don McKay from a lot of this as well you know I know he's been involved in this process and but I think uh, you know, if this goes belly up, then I'm not going to be pointing the finger at Don Mackay, per se. You know, he's walked into this and he's walked into something that he thought Celtic had a manager and they were down the road with and then all of a sudden they've changed beard off course and got this manager in. So he has to top this new manager up and say they've recruited a winner and all that, all those kind of sound bites. Yeah, he's <coughs> all those boxes. He's came across well. The one positive thing is he's willing to meet people Dominic McKay, he's willing to put his head above the parapet and speak for a start. He's also said that he wants to engage with fans, supporters groups and all sorts of Celtic supporters and all sorts of Celtic people. So I'm happy about that. You know, as I say, originally we don't want our, we only want our CEO to come out and speak when he has to, but if he's going to come out and meet people and tell us things and be a bit more transparent, then I'm all for that. You know, that, that can only be a good thing and Jim said there he wants to modernise the club, great, but I mean, how, how much modernising do we need? And if it turns out to be a total revolution, then the ones at the top aren't they fit for purpose. But again, mm. I give Dominic Mackay an exemption from that. He's inheriting them as much as they're inheriting him, so now have to straddle that line, you know, of, of working for the board and being a supporters man too, which he's, he seems to like to want to be. Because he did it with he did it at the SRU, so I I mean I, in terms of his interview, I thought his interview was fine. But you know, everybody in those situations can talk a good game, can't they? Mm-hmm. You know, it's now it's also Laura. Actually, mm. yeah. go on, so I think also Laura. He said, "I wanted a winner." Didn't say we he said, "I wanted a winner," which is getting interesting again. Maybe yeah. even too much into that, but I wanted a winner. And I, and I want to know, I would like to know how much he was involved in that process, Jim. Of yep, select yep. and Postacoglu. Yep. You know, so I, I yep. don't know how how big his input was or if, it, or if it's mm. just been totally his input since the Eddie Howe deal collapsed. Mm. You know, so I, I'd like to know things like that moving forward. Some of these we might get I think you'll you never find that out. <laughs> I think, you'll not, you, I think you'll never find that one out because I, again you can read too much into these things but the fact he said I wanted a winner and he said he's been speaking to Ange for a few weeks does that mean maybe somebody else is speaking to somebody else for a few weeks and they wanted to mm. you know I mean I don't want to get into that kind of stuff but it's just as I said before he has to kind of watch what words that he uses yeah. because people like us and the Celtic fans will leap on the words and say what does he mean by that is there some sort of hidden meaning in there 
He's mm. as open and honest enough, but to genuine questions. That's yeah. that's what I mean. I, I, also, I, yeah, yeah. Um, Jim, I'll come to you on on. I've I've been seeing a lot of comments, uh, and thanks everybody for commenting on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook where we are live. <clears throat> um, unfortunately, not had a chance to get to as many of them as we normally do today because of having having our guest Dan on and and having a lot to talk about. But Jim, you know, a lot of people talking about how long he's got to make an impact, how long the new manager has got to make an impact, and patience is a big theme of what we're, we're, we're seeing going forward um, is there a risk do you think that uh, fa- failure of Postacoglu will translate for some people to failure of the CEO or do you think people are you know going to be able no, to separate no, those no, two no. things out is, 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 I think Dom is completely separate from this he's just in the door uh, he's getting his feet under the table he'll find out what's what I think uh, if it doesn't work, hopefully it works out. If it doesn't work out, then I think Dom will sort out next time. And if anything happens next time, it's, then it's on his watch. I think we've talked about it's been a pantomime so far. And he's walked into this pantomime. He's new to it. Angie's new to it. All these new players coming into it are new to it. And that's, that's, that's my biggest concern is that in any normal season, you might lose two or three players and a new mm. manager's coming into a kind of a, a good squad of players but you're looking to add two or three players to that. He's having to in, you know, however many, six, seven, eight, nine players. The culture's going to change. You know, we've lost people who've been Celtic players for a number of years. We don't have that. Maybe he has to bring in some ex-Celts, possibly. Mm. You know, so I don't blame Don McKay for anything. I don't blame Ange for anything. If this doesn't go to plan, I think we all know where the blame lies. How you change that, that's a different thing because we've seen, obviously, Lots of fans been not very happy with the board and sacked the board and all this kind of stuff. Well, you can't sack the board. There's only one way of getting rid of the board. If you want to get rid of the board, and that's to buy shares. That's the only way you're going to move that along. So it's okay for people to hill at the moon all the time, get this guy out and get that guy. And what does this guy do? What does this guy do? At the end of the day, if you want to have change, the only way you do that is getting, is getting shares. Sorry, I've off at a tangent there. Uh, Dom's not to blame. Angie's not to blame. Uh, and hopefully they're both successful. And we're not talking about blame. In a year's time. Ah well, I've 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 read your mind, Jim. I know what he's going to do. He's going to get an excel that we all want back from the J League. Koki Mizuno, he'll be the man to come in and save us. I'm guy. sure of it. <laughs> um, you know, I think everybody at a Celtic State of Mind wishes uh, wishes both uh, Dom and Ange all the best of luck in their new roles. Um, we want only success for the club, as I'm sure they both do, and we'll see how it goes. Um, but to, to close out the show, uh, we can't really do anything other than look ahead to the big tournament that starts today, which Scotland is a part of, the Euros. They might have We might have had to wait an extra year, but given how long we've had to wait before now, I think an extra year was nothing to us Scotland fans. So, Tony, I'll come to you first. 1998 was the last time we were there. We were part of... We were part of the opening ceremony in the World Cup against Brazil. There couldn't be a more glamorous start. Slightly less glamorous start against Czech Republic coming on Monday at 2 o'clock. But uh, um, how are you feeling about it? Are you looking forward to it? I can't wait. I cannot wait. I, I was at that opening game against Brazil in 98. Mm. It was wonderful. As I said, uh, told the story. And it was just brilliant. It's just been so, so long. You know, since you've seen Scotland at a, a major international tournament in I mentioned them earlier, quick story. Arthur Monford, 
when I was at college, I did a, a uni. I did an interview, the brief was to interview somebody famous. So somebody famous to me was Arthur Munford. I'd always wanted to do it. And so I phoned him up and he agreed to do it. And I met him outside the Torrance Inn in Bishop Briggs. And the pub wasn't even open. So we sat in his car and we were waiting till the pub opened. And I just started talking to him. And Arthur Munford was the biggest Scotland fan ever. So he lived through all the great times, all the, the five World Cups in a row and stuff like that. And he said when he was in the studio, he had like a Scotland rosette underneath his jacket and all that. And whenever uh, they cut to a, a break, it was bedlam because Arthur Monfield was going off his nut and heading every ball and kicking every ball. So he said to me, on the, the year before Scotland played in 78 World Cup finals, he went on a tour of South America and he was in the Maracana at night and Bobby Clark, who was a deputy Al Knopf, was in goal. And he was behind the goal. And he was saying, please, Bobby, just one. Just just let me hit one. <laughs> and he said, oh, all right. And he annoyed him that much. He said, all right, on you come. And he put the ball on the spot. And he's got a sports jacket and flannels on, he said, and shoes. And he says he started commentating on himself. <laughs> right? And he was like, and it's Montford. Montford, this kick will win the World Cup. It was Montford. And... And he smashes it into the roof of the net. Right? There's nobody in the Maracana, and he's and he's jumping around. He's like, "Monster scores!" <laughs> and he's making a noise of the two hundred thousand people, right? And he's like, and he's telling me, and I'm killing myself laughing. I'm I'm in dreamland. I'm like, this is brilliant. And it, and I say to him, he says, "That's how much of a Scotland fan I just love Scotland. I, I used to go to Hamden for internationals hours before it, and talk to all the punters that were streaming in. Loved it." So after about an hour or so, I get out of the car and I'm so I punched there because I'm like a wee ambition of mine. And he says, Before you go, Anthony, and says, I says, Can I give you a bit of advice? He says, Yeah. He says, See, when you wake up in the morning, put on your shoes, don't ever put on your slippers. And he walked away and it was like someday, you know, like the stars in your eyes, you know. <laughs> Off into the mist. Right. And it's only when I got older I realised what he meant always stay active, stay busy you know, and, and have a purpose in life. And he was just a wonderful guy and he, and he loved Scotland. And whenever Scotland are in a tournament or whenever Scotland are playing a big match, I always think about him because he commentated in so many of them. Jim will remember his big Jim Holton coming up for in 70, 73 when he scored a goal See? at Hamden, Czechoslovakia and stuff like that in Jordan. So, and he was just a cracking, cracking man. So, yeah, I mean, I just can't wait for the Euros. I get as excited as he did. You know about Scotland playing in a major tournament, so I roll on Monday. Absolutely, Jim. Um, I'll come to you for your thoughts on it. You know, I, I love every aspect of it. The games back to back every day, the sticker albums, the kits, the 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 pundits that they get in from here, there, and everywhere that you never see before the tournament, never see again afterwards. <laughs> it's just an experience, you know. What are, what are your feelings going into our first tournament in over 20 years? Well, I'm a big fan of Scotland. That was a lucky enough to get a ticket to the Norway game in Bordeaux, the uh, 98 World Cup. That was the, mm. the three Euro 96 games. Uh, so these a long, long time ago. Uh, it's obviously lost something with the fact that not many fans getting in. And, and I think the idea to split the thing up into different countries was, was, a, was a daft idea. Yeah. I think that yeah. takes someone that would actually go to France. Going to Mexico and all that—that that was a big, big thing at the time. Uh, 
So I'm looking forward to it. I'm not as excited maybe as I've been in previous ones. I think we've got some good players, some some young youngish players that are playing at a good level. We've got a manager who knows to, how to organise a team. Won't be much fun with Steve Clark, but hopefully won't lose many goals. Uh, I think the first game is vital. I think if we can get maybe like a kind of 1-0 on Monday, that would, that would set us up nicely. We get through as one of the best third-place teams. Uh, if we get a nothing each in the last game and get away from Wembley, we're not going to do it. I think that's kind of my expectations. Uh, so a sneaky one now, and nothing in the last one, and uh, a three 0 defeat at Wembley, and that'll get us into the next round. Uh, so here's hoping we get into the next round for a change, because because if we do, and you get into that knockout section, who knows what could happen next? So yeah, looking forward to it. Interesting point as well that if you finish second in the group or first in the group, we might play like a big gun like France. So they were saying that England might want to finish second in the group. Yeah, yeah. Tactically, tactically, yeah, you know. So I was kind of wondering about that, you know. So if that's the case, then go on Scotland. We'll take whoever, as long as we get through to the next round. Well, there's there's the old adage, isn't there? You know, if you want to win these tournaments, you've got to play all the good teams at some point. So you know, may as well be in in the last last sixteen as 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 in the final. You know, but. um, we're not here to talk about England. We're here to talk about Scotland. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, hopefully. You know, you know what they're like, Laura? They've won it already. So they have won it already. I didn't know they had, but they seem to know they have anyway. But um, we we look forward to it anyway. Come on, Scotland, do us proud. I'm sure you will. Um, but before we finish up the show, I just wanted to leave everybody with this wee story. I am wearing a T-shirt, which I don't think you can see. It's of the um, Walt Disney classic from 1997 of Hercules. And the reason I'm wearing it today is because... Now, I know there's a bit of to and forth about Heracles is the Greek one and based on Hercules, the Roman one. But they, but Disney took a bit of artistic licence and went with Hercules, the Greek, the Greek version. And I just thought it was interesting because anybody that knows that film knows... He starts off uh, kind of a half-god, if you like, weak, lost his powers, unknown in the land that he's in, down in the land of Greece from Mount Olympus. By the end of the film, he's world-renowned for his skill, for his strength, for his leadership. Postacoglu, that's all I'm going to say. Perhaps he could have a Hercules-like story and become a god in the East End of Glasgow. That is my hope. That is my wish. Thanks, everybody, for watching. Thanks, Jim and Tony, for your time today. That's been Axom. That's been Friday. Come on, Scotland. We will see you next week. Report. Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct to Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. 
trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.